Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster. Today's guest is Vanessa, founder of Tailor Made Polish, which is a DIY nail polish kit. She ships you the base liquid, the bottles, and the color pigments to mix your own vegan, cruelty, and 10-free nail polish color. You've probably heard me refer to her business a lot, actually, especially when I talk about the power of the post-purchase education email because she basically created a brand new product that the market hadn't seen before. She's also been on quite the journey in her business. Prior to the pandemic, she was an in-person-only business, and once she was forced to shut down, it was a mad dash to figure out how to keep going. Vanessa has tried all the things. First, she focused on D2C through her website, which proved to be pretty difficult when the customer struggled to understand what her product was. She had a private label division, then she ventured into wholesale, and now she's circling back to building up the e-commerce side of her business. Along the way, she's learned a ton of lessons, some of them hard, some of them expensive, but it has all brought her to the place she is today, which is with a successful business that runs like a well-oiled machine, gives her time to focus on her family, and still has so much room to grow. I loved catching up with her to hear how her business and outlook has changed over the last three years and the power that comes when you start trusting yourself and your instincts. Let's hop into the episode. Hey, Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jessica. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited to catch up with you. As we were talking about before we started recording, I feel like I haven't seen or talked to you in so long. I know it doesn't feel that way for you because you're listening to my podcast. It's such a weird thing to be a podcaster who has people listening to them all the time. It doesn't sink in, but I'm so excited to share with the audience your story and how this business has evolved because you are leaps and bounds from where you were When I met you, you've made so many pivots in your business. So let's start with the really obvious one of your business starting out as an in-person experience and then COVID happened. Definitely. So we started at a studio in downtown Easton, Pennsylvania, and the concept was make your own nail polish. We had a few products and different things that we sold in the shop as well, but we hosted a lot of parties, classes, private parties, and we also did on-site events. We traveled quite a bit. So we did the Hamptons and D.C. and Baltimore, and it was so much fun and we loved it. And it was really the bulk of our business was doing parties and things like that. And then the pandemic happened and we had booked out, I want to say 
roughly about three to four months. So weekends were obviously jam-packed. We had just moved into a different studio so that we had private rooms. So then we were booking more than we had in our first studio, which was great, but we had to cancel everything. And we were closed down for three months, mandatory shutdown, three months. And so it felt like during that time, we really had to look at what our long-term was going to look like, but we pivoted with some of the products that we had and took everything to make your own nail polish. And we were literally putting it in a Ziploc bag, shipping it in a shoebox. A large percentage of the reservations that we had and the parties that we had still wanted to try to do something over Zoom. So we were just kind of making it work. And when I say we, it was me, my husband and my son, because nobody could come into the shops that we were just figuring it out. And that word started to travel. So we were able to kind of hold on because of that. But that's what slowly grew into our kids. And I think at that time that the thought was, we don't really know what's going to happen. What if some other virus comes? What if we have to shut down again? All of these different things. And I really was not set up in terms of shipping, except for some of the white labeling that we had done, which is a very different process. But having a product where you're replicating the same thing, it's not like we're making a cake. It's like you have all these ingredients and you need to have the space and have a process and have all these different things that we had never shipped out of our studio before. We had never done that process where we weren't there in person and hands-on and being able to help and to instruct and educate and talk about and being with someone one-on-one during that creative process. It was a huge change for us, writing instruction manuals. And it was very different. I don't remember exactly when I met you, but you did already have the kits by then. And there was kind of two main things that we did together. And I don't remember which one came first, but we obviously did your email. And that was so heavy on education about once you get this product, what do you do with it? Here are the videos to help you. And don't worry, you can't mess it up because we knew that that was going to be a hesitation for people. And then there was also the getting you off of WordPress and onto Shopify. Like I said, I don't remember which order that was, but I just kind of remember thinking poor Vanessa is in literal upheaval in every aspect of her business right now. But you know what? You just did the work. You took it all in, you kept moving forward, and I think you navigated that all with really amazing grace. So just a round of applause for you, because I think I would have probably broken down and just been like in the fetal position, screw this whole business, I'm done. (laughs) But you just kept going. Yeah, that's funny that you say that. Well, I remember it very clearly. I did not know what to do. I was in like a WordPress hell. And I had tried to make another change. We did WordPress and then I tried to get away from WordPress. And then the person that I got to work with, they're like, WordPress is the way to go. I promise it's going to be fine. And it definitely was not fine. It was not geared towards a product-based business. We did not have the integrations that we needed, but you were helping me with my email first. And that has been the best thing. I mean, that is the one part of the feedback that I get from our customers. Even today, we still have the kind of the same structure that we did with education and the introduction. And 
doing all those things and people say how helpful that is and how much they love kind of that guidance through after they make their purchase. And that's what we do. But trying to keep our website up with even what we were doing on social, what we were doing with our emails, what we were doing with our products, we just couldn't keep up. And so the best thing you helped me with, you were like, you just got to do it. Once the holidays are over, here's how you do it. You had a training on it. And I sat for three days in a room between Christmas and New Year's. We stayed with friends every year in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. During that time off, we've been doing it for almost 20 years, I guess now. But during that time, I'm like, okay, I'll see you guys later. And I just bunkered myself. I got through it all. I did it. And it was hard, but I actually felt so much relief doing that because we were finally able to be responsive in whatever was happening with the business and whatever we were putting on social media and whatever iterations we were making with our product, it was finally in my control. So if something didn't happen or something didn't go right, I was able just to fix it myself. And that's not always the position that you want to be in as somebody who's trying to lead the company. You don't want to get bogged down with that kind of stuff. But sometimes you have to have that basic understanding of what to do in case you're the one that has to do it. And it was so great because I knew of Shopify. I knew of all these other tools and things that we should or could be doing and having to differentiate. Oh my God, I don't know. You hear this about WordPress, this about this thing, this about this integration. And I'm just trying to figure it all out. But that was absolutely hands down the best things I've ever done. I have this recollection of you being unable to even change banners out and stuff. And it's something that I hear from so many people. And WordPress and WooCommerce is not bad if you have the technical knowledge, the team, the bandwidth to keep up with it and all of that. And most small businesses don't. And so while you have to give up some things with a tool like Shopify, it frees you up to focus on the things that are actually going to grow your business. So I think that your story is a very common one, but you're there now and you got to start focusing on so many other things. And I remember too, in the beginning of the kits, really struggling with the e-commerce piece of it and trying to communicate what this product was and what it meant and how people could do it and all of that. And the time that I met you in person was actually at a trade show in New York City. I was so excited to have multiple clients be at this trade show. And I'm like, I am using this as an excuse to go home visit some friends, meet some clients, but now it's a business expense. So that was awesome. But you started doing wholesale. Has that become a really big part of your business? Absolutely. And that was really part of what kind of kept us going. And wholesale last year was really great for us. And I think the starting when I met you in person at that specific trade show, that was our very first one. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. It was a complete and utter shit show. I mean, it was just our product wasn't right. This wasn't right. That wasn't right. There's so many things that needed to be improved, needed to be redone. We didn't have a process for anything. But I think that in my mind, and we've kind of talked about this before, my thing is a lot of people are afraid to try something or afraid to change. I'm not. I'm afraid of what's going to happen if we don't. So I'd rather jump in 
figured out what's wrong. Let's try it. And I definitely had to go back with egg on my face. This product is wrong or this doesn't work right. And you have to figure it out. And now I'm very comfortable in my approach to wholesale. So I know there's different levers that I can pull. I can do in-person trade shows. If that feels right for me with the season of my personal life too, I have a family and it's very important where that kind of took a backseat for a while in the beginning of my business. If I don't want to travel now, I know that that's not the only way that I can support my wholesale clients and get new wholesale clients. And so we have a process for that. And then it's great if you can travel and you have the capital to put into getting into wholesale or doing the show or whatever that might entail. But if you don't, there's an alternative. Or if you want to do both, you could do both. And it is a harder area because the margins aren't the same as direct to consumer. So that's what some people will say. I don't necessarily know. I guess I agree with it in some fronts that that's the truth. But for me, because I can go to a boutique owner or another business owner is going to be carrying my product, I can have that personal one-on-one relationship with them and grow that because we are so small. We don't have a representative or a team of people who can get that one-on-one or at least feeling like a one-on-one if we were doing kind of direct-to-consumer and that's a whole different animal and we kind of get swooped up and we should go that way. There's a kind of margin and there's all these easy things that you can do. Just have a website and make 30 reels in 30 days and it's good. You're going to grow like crazy. No, that's not what happens. But I think that I'm trying to figure out what's working for the business in terms of having our wholesale. It's more steady. You can plan for that. That feels right to me. And I like having those relationships with other business owners. And that's important to me. And then the other side of that with direct to consumer, it's nice because after their customers have purchased, they might reach out to you. They have a question. I'm not wearing gel nail polish anymore. I don't know what to do. Or can you help me? A business owner can't help them, but we can. And so that's been a more slow process for us. And we're trying to kind of react to that and also take the initiative to have education out there on that part of it. It's not just making the nail polish, which is where we were a couple of years ago. Now it's the total nail care and the natural nail journey that someone might be starting and just having the ways that we can support all the different customer bases we have. And I think for a product like yours, there's education involved in that. And there's so much power in having your kit in someone else's store where that person can sell it to the customer, make them comfortable with it, do all of that onboarding for you. Then the customer creates, they love it, And then they can come back to your website to place the order. And I remember when we did your email, we got you on Shopify, and then it was like, how do we actually get people to come and buy this damn thing? And this is just how my memory works in general, by the way. I have all these little bits and pieces, but I don't really remember everything that went around it, led up to it, happened after it. Same thing with my childhood memories. I said to my mom, 
I'm like, I have this memory of eating soft boiled eggs with my great grandfather out of these little stands that you put the soft boiled egg in. And he had a finished basement and stuff. We lived down there. He said every morning he opened the door at the top of the stairs, called you up for breakfast and you guys sat and ate that together. And I'm like, oh, that's like so much sweeter than the memory I have. But anyway, when you were trying to figure out how to sell this damn thing on the Internet, And some of the advice that you heard was create a whole bunch of social content of every possible color that can be created and just post, 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 post. And I remember talking to you and saying, don't do that. That sounds like a lot of work for not a lot of return. And I think at that point you had private label and then obviously you went and you did the wholesale thing. But with a business like yours, especially, and just all the noise on the internet. How do you decide whose advice to take and whose advice to ignore? And how did you navigate your way to saying, let's go to a trade show and do some wholesale and see what happens? That's a great question. We started working together in 2020. And some of the things that were kind of being thrown at me like all at once, it was because everyone's kind of in a panic for that what to do during the pandemic, but that still happens at least weekly. And back then it was a lot more, but I feel like I can navigate it better now because I did try all the things. The circus clown at the circus. I'm doing all the things, marching around like an idiot, try and fail and figure out what's working. But I think my general way of thinking is I, I'm afraid to not do something more than I'm afraid to do something. And so I was trying them all. Now doing that so many times, my gut kind of tells me a little more of how and what to do. But I think I'm in a very different place with my business where I was trying to figure out what we were going to be, who we were, how are we going to run this business? And then since then, that's not really the most important part to me is where am I going to be at in my life? How is the business supporting me versus the other way around? Because I was kind of all in and just focused on the business, but it's never going to be successful if it's not kind of aligned to my lifestyle, my family, what I ultimately want out of the business. What's the end goal? And figuring those things out are how I measure what I should or shouldn't be doing now. And so I need to know that I have a network, a place to go for resources. And it might be something I've done a million times. It might be something that I did one time and I don't remember or I just need a reset or I need kind of a reminder of what to do. But I always say, just go back to basics. It doesn't have to be that complicated. We're not recreating the wheel every month in our business or every quarter. And it kind of felt like that, trying to figure out your product. That's a whole different thing. But when you're running your business, you do need to be open and just try new things. You can't not be changing. You can't not be iterating. The processes to run your business are always going to change because we're in a digital world now. And you, you do have to respond to those things. But a lot of things are thrown at us. So figuring out what feels right, if it feels like it's going to be a ton of work and it's going to take many, many hours or many, many weeks or many, many months, I'm looking at that opportunity or suggestion or advice with a completely different lens than I was a couple of years ago because I did try to do it. I would stay up all hours of the night trying this. Does it work? How do I do it? And now it doesn't have to be that complicated. And you can't do all the things. What's going to fit? That's one of the things I do like. So I'm still using your 
prepare for Black Friday holiday content. I follow that to a T and it's just like the nice reminders that are in there. You're not going to be able to do all of these things. What is going to work for your business? Pick and choose the things that are going to work for you. And some things will work for us last year that aren't going to work for us this year. We have some data from last year. That's going to really help us make the better decisions. And now maybe we have some room to try something new. And just trying to figure those things out. I mean, I think if people listen to their gut versus all the voices that are coming at them, it's like kind of take a step back and just be comfortable with just trying only a couple of things. You have to try all the things and what makes the most sense. Think about it logically. And I think too, just because you do something one time and it doesn't work, doesn't mean it's not going to work the next time. And also, just because you did something that worked once doesn't mean it's going to work every time. There really is no pattern to this, unfortunately. If there was, everyone would have a billion-dollar business. But there are just so many variables, and the consumer behavior is changing, and people's tastes are changing. And there's so many things outside of our control. And we've talked about 2023 has just been a really fucking weird year for a lot of businesses. And we're going into an election year, which always makes people wonky. And so I think you just have to make the best decisions you can make with the information you have at the time. That's literally all we can do. And keep doing more of what works, let go of the things that don't, but just keep iterating and testing. And I think you've done a really great job at, I mean, is navigating even the word? I guess, but you keep doing the damn thing. (laughs) I think that there's a part of me that does like that. And I do like to iterate. I do like to continuously improve things. That's a double-edged sword in and of itself. But I feel like I'm finally honing in on what makes sense and being able to do that. And that is always keeping the customer's perspective and their experience in the back of my mind with those decisions and not somebody who's trying to give me advice on how to run my business. That's number one. And then number two, I would say long gone are the days of me even remotely listening to someone who has no idea what it's like to do the things that I do in my business. Somebody who hasn't worked in a product-based business, somebody who hasn't sourced a product, all the ingredients, put it together, figured out how to make it, figured out how to change it, all those things. That's another filter that you can put on all the advice you're getting and deciding what to do. Has this person really done what I'm doing? Do they truly understand the challenges in my business? And I think not only just with the product and the digital space and all of those things, we're also, there's a whole other layer of people saying, well, you should do this. And that comes into place where people are talking about how you run your business and operations, how you manage your team, how you manage your staff, how you work with your vendors and your suppliers. And that is the one thing that I did just throw out the window after the end of last year. I'm not doing that. This is not working for me. It's taking away in other parts of my business. Our customers, the most important part, our product and making sure it's a quality product that we want. And the way that we can do that and best support our team and best support our customers doesn't look like the traditional way of doing things. And those are things where you just have to break out. This is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And I think that freedom is part of why people become founders or business owners or entrepreneurs is that what they want. And 99% of the time, I think people realize unless you're setting your business up to do that, 
that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is you're going to run yourself into the ground with all the fucking things that you have to do. And it doesn't happen that way. But if you start to set it up that way, because with being shut down, people not coming into the studio and all these different dynamics changing, everyone's personal lives are changing too. Childcare was changing. Costs were changing. They're going up. How can we support a staff and we're a small business and how can we support them in all the things that they're facing in their personal lives? People don't want to come in. Can we do our operations online? What does a work from home program look like for us? And so just being able to change with that and our customers tell us that and the different tools that we have to integrate both managing finances and operations, just like we manage talking to our customers Maybe it's Zoom, maybe it's Instagram. You have all these different ways that we do that. It's not what you should be doing. It's what feels right in your business and for you. And it's important that, look, we're not all experts in everything. We don't necessarily have experience in everything. And there's always value in that outside person who has gone before you. But sometimes you have a really unique business or you are facing a situation that literally no one has faced. The pandemic, no one in this lifetime has ever experienced something like that before. So all we can do is make our best fucking guess of how to approach it. But at the end of the day, you and your team, you are the ones on the front lines who really see what is happening. And I was just having this conversation with someone the other day, the reason why I hate corporate companies is because some Joe Schmo from the top comes in, has no idea what it's like to be on the front lines of this business. They just throw out bark orders that literally make no sense for the people who have to implement them because they forgot what it's like to be on the front lines, or maybe they never were. And so the people who are dealing with the day-to-day are the ones who really know what the business needs. And I think that it is so important that sometimes you just have to trust yourself, even if you think you don't know what the hell you're doing. Absolutely. And it sounds like you, over time, have developed (laughs) that confidence that you do know what is right for you and your business. And it's just really exciting to see. And I even remember some little things. Was it you started printing stuff yourself or you stopped printing stuff yourself? I don't remember which direction it was, but I just remember even that little thing, that seemingly insignificant thing made a huge difference on the overall efficiency of what you were doing. Yes. And that's a great example of just one of the things that people tell you, you don't have the expertise to do that in-house. I had no clue what to do with that piece of machinery. But what I did know was that I was at the mercy of somebody else's time and somebody else's cost in a market that was so unpredictable, was just going up and down. And for me to make money and to be able to depend on that, and someone's not going to come through with the printing. And sometimes that was because of the pandemic. Sometimes it was because of capabilities. And sometimes it was just all the costs started going up. And so you have to take a step back. And sometimes you're in it so deep, you don't do that. But then when you really take the time to take a step back, we brought all of our product labeling in-house. 
And it was my first quote unquote big girl purchase in my business where I really invested in a capital piece of equipment and the timing was right. And we waited for three or four months for it to come. And even with that, I thought that I had to have an expert graphic designer on staff to be able to do that. And that printer was just going to be another employee running. When I look at the cost that we had, so say we were spending between two and 3000 a month on all of the custom printing that we were doing to support our customers, our white label customers and our own, we brought that in house and it paid for itself in less than four months. But then we had an ongoing cost of a staff member there that wasn't even needed, but this is what people are telling you. And so just kind of taking a step back, really, what does this need? What does the process really need to look like? And just really strip it back. And once you start to figure out those things, we're running like a well-oiled machine. We have so many more capabilities. And that was one of the things that I just think that started to open my eyes. I don't have to do this part of my business like everybody else is doing. Nobody else might want to bring this in-house or have that capability in-house, but it's working for me. And it's the number one thing that really changed my cost structure in 2021. And so when you look at things like that, they seem disruptive inside your business and it makes everyone a little bit uncomfortable because it is changed. But once you get through it, it's like, this is what this looks like. This is what this feels like. And it's okay. We're okay. Everyone's still fine. And we just figure out how to move on and get to the next thing that we're doing. And you know what? For you, it worked out. And for someone else, it might not. And that's okay. There's always going to be somebody that you can re-outsource it to. Absolutely. Someone else that wants to buy that machine, you can sell it, get some of your money back. It's worth it to just give it a shot because the upside could far outweigh that transition period when you may not know until you try. So it's just been really cool to watch and see how, I mean, your product bucks the norm. I don't even think that's a real saying, but you get what I'm trying to articulate here. And so whoever thought to put the ingredients for nail polish in a box and ship it to someone so they could make their own, that's not a thing. So it makes sense that you would just continue to disrupt the norm in your business, which is super freaking cool. And I love it. Are you still doing private label or have you let that part go? So I do that very selectively. Some of my long-term customers, I do that or one-off type of thing. It's not the part of the business that's kind of humming along like it used to. It used to be something that we really depended on. But there's a lot of moving parts and that is a made-to-order type of thing. And so we don't want to be so dependent on that because if anything changes, we just want to get to a place where we're comfortable with that. And I love that part of what we do because to create something like that for somebody else, it's usually another small business or somebody who's doing something and it's so meaningful and you feel in a way a part of it and you're creating something. And I love that, but it's not something that for us as a business in kind of the direction that we're going that like, can't be our bread and butter. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be. When it becomes your bread and butter, or you focus on it in that way, you lose some of the joy in it. That's right. If that's your favorite part, protect that and let it continue to be your favorite part and be really selective with it. Because once it feels like a job, it's like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Sucked all the joy. That's what happened to me with 
fashion and styling. I mean, I used to sleep in my new shoes as a little girl. Like that was my path. And then when it became the thing that was responsible for my livelihood and keeping a roof over my head and food on the table, it was like, oh, this is not joyful anymore. I don't want to do this. And now I get to just do it for the joy and not for the need. Very different experience for sure. It is. I think that's the truth in different parts of my business as well, like the parties and the one-on-one and all the different parts. Too much of any one thing is not great. And so figuring out what it looked like in terms of this part of that part of the business, I'm comfortable in that space and being able to flex in one area versus the other. Oh, that's so amazing. I love all of that. So what is the go forward plan for tailor-made polish today? Is it wholesale, direct to consumer mostly? I think both of those are in the customers that we have been getting because of where our products are at wholesale and common goods and some of our retailers like that. We're reaching more people. And as more people become aware of us, and it's still like you think that, how could someone have been on their website and not have heard of us or something like that? And then it's like, oh, we've been on there for a couple of years now. And then they're like, oh, I just saw you on there. So there's so much more to do. We've only scratched the surface. So I don't know what the ratio of wholesale to direct to consumer looks like, but for us right now, it looks like supporting the end customer and making their own polish. And I think some of the haters and stuff that are on social media, they'll say like, oh my God, seriously, you can't find a nail polish you already like. But that's not what it only is. And I think those people who really resonate with being able to design something, make something that's meaningful to them, they're the people who take a little bit more out of their general experiences in life and want to try to do something themselves. Like somebody who likes to cook, you could buy all of your food ready-made if you want. But there's something to be said for the process of going through that and being connected to whatever you make naming it. And it's something that you're not ingesting it. Please don't do that. (laughs) You are wearing it. It is going on your body and people, I think, appreciate that part of it. So it's just being able to connect with those new customers is really a big focus for us right now. I love that. And the cooking thing, me and my husband are the complete opposite. If I could have somebody make my food for me every single day, I would literally never cook again. I find no joy in the process of cooking. He loves the process of taking a recipe and making it his own and just like, oh, I'm going to put a little bit of this and a little bit of that and like see what happens. He enjoys that. And we're all different and screw the haters and people on the internet. They just need to go find something else to do with their time instead of hating on other people. Like, I just don't get it. We're good. There's so many people who love the process. We're totally fine. But it's funny. I mean, some people feel that way or think that way and it's a new concept and that's fine. We're not for everybody, but we are for a lot of people. So those are just the connections that we're really leaning into and enjoying and focusing on now. And that's so important. Everyone listening to this podcast, there are people that hate you and think you're dumb and hate your business and your product. And guess what? Those people don't matter. You can't be for everyone. You don't have to be for everyone. And repelling the wrong people is just as important as attracting 
the right people. And I think every small business owner needs that reminder on a regular basis because it can be really difficult to run a business on the internet. So thank you, Vanessa, just for being so open and honest and sharing all of the things. What I like to do with every single guest that I have on the show is to have the real, real talk because e-commerce is not all sunshine and rainbows. Being a product-based business owner certainly isn't. So over your time running TaylorMade Polish, what would you say is your biggest failure in business so far? There's so many. (laughs) (laughs) I would say it's definitely listening to all the advice. I think I should have stopped that when I realized that trying to do all the things wasn't really working. And the reason why is because some of the failures that come out of that are like one of our biggest ones was the packaging for our kit and leaning into that so much thinking, okay, we knew this was the path that we were going down and feeling like we had to get the best sauce and we needed to do it this way because that's what other people were telling us, invest in this and you get your plates for your boxes and the custom sizes and all these things. We really made a a larger capital investment than we should have. And we ended up iterating the process and and the product itself. And so those are completely irrelevant now. I think listening to that part and not being able to distinguish then, we'll never make that mistake again. (laughs) But I just think being able to identify that that was one of the things. It was a big setback for me, but I learned a lot. I don't regret any of the failures at all. I think I needed to make, and I still need to think about more, but it comes with a happy double-digit price tag that you're just kind of like, what did I just do? And your boxes are way smaller now, I think. Oh, yes. There's so much less, but you can listen to what other people say, but you need to do what makes sense for you. And that's the biggest thing. Even when you are trying to do the right thing and be objective and listen to everyone's advice, Maybe it should, maybe you shouldn't. Sometimes you don't know until you've already made the decision. I do actually have a podcast episode on this because I get caught up in this too. I'm also looking at experts and other people who do what I do and, well, how are they doing it? And what is their advice? And we're all giving advice based on the experience that we've already had and the little bit that we know about your situation. And so I will put a link in the show notes to that episode. I can't remember the number, but it is kind of talking through how to question pretty much any piece of advice someone gives you and to take it with a grain of salt. And remember, this is not to shit on online educators or business consultants or anything like that, but we all have our own agenda too. We're trying to sell you the product that we have because we also need to make money. So it's not that we are necessarily trying to doom you or like screw you over. But in our perception, our lens, this makes sense to us for your business. Obviously, if you're working one on one with someone, they're going to be much more tailored to your specific business. But we're all CEOs and we have to be discerning. And sometimes we have to learn the hard lessons. I learned a lot of hard lessons when I have my brick and mortar business. I've had a lot of hard lessons since I've had this online business too. (laughs) So it's just part of the journey. On a more positive note though, what has been your biggest success so far? 
I think my biggest success has definitely been just peeling back the layers of my business, why I started and figuring out how it fits into my life and not the other way around. That's been my biggest success because from the business, you want it to not only be able to obviously provide a way of life for you and fund your family and all the things that you have to be and pay for and do and need to exist, but also I think is important for fitting it into your family, fitting into your friends, what ultimately do you want your life to look like? And I struggled with that. And I think probably there's a lot of entrepreneurs that do. And it's just, I've hit so many kind of challenges and breaking points, even at the end of last year was a really tough time. We had our best year ever and your work-life balance. And I hate that term, but really it was just not existent. And really figuring out that you can do what you love you can make an impact with your product and connect with people in your business the way that you want to and not have it overtake everything else. I didn't have that. So the huge success for me to be able to figure out how to do this part and make it work with my family. And that's been the biggest thing. Um, any responsibility that we have, that is the hardest thing. And my husband and I, he's also an entrepreneur and we both work from home and we have our offices and it never really turns off. And so we are still learning how to step away. It's so different versus you work in an office, you leave the office, you go home and it's done. When it's your business, it's just on your mind all the time. So I think that is a work in progress for most people. But I love that you are just figuring it out as you go. And in a few years, you'll be really good at it. So last big question here is, if you could give my audience one thing to take away from this episode, what is the most important thing you want them to remember from this conversation? I think I would say... Aside from the cliche, trust your gut, it is really hard to do, but just get really comfortable with being uncomfortable and feel all the things and maybe listen to a certain number of them, but don't be afraid to go. Don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to drop something and do something else. Just truly don't be afraid because I feel like every time that I've done that, it's gotten me to the place where I should have been in the first place. And if you hold on to something for too long, it'll hold you up. So don't be afraid and go where your gut tells you. You could always go back if you need to. You can. But you probably won't have to. All you'll think is, man, I should have done that sooner every time. One other thing that I wanted to actually talk about, I should have done this before those questions. We're just chatting away here is, so you are a lounge member. And I referred to you before we started recording that you're sort of a background lurker, which I really love because creating the lounge, yes, the community portion and getting that support and coming to the live calls and all of that is a big part of it for those who need it. But it's also created in a way to just be a resource versus you have to be here every week, every month, make progress. That's not how I created it. So kind of love that you're just there in the background and why the lounge, how do you use it in your business and 
what would you say to someone who was kind of sitting on the fence or maybe worried about not being able to keep up? And I have air quotes there. I'm so glad that you asked that because I think the thing is, depending on the season of your business, you're going to need something different from the lounge or a community like that. I'm not in the place in my business where I need the community or I need to show up, but I need to know that I have the resources. I know that there's going to be people there when I need them. I can step in and out. I can have a Shopify problem. I can have a, oh, how about this? Or I can need some accountability maybe. And I could step in and at any given time, it's set up in a way that you don't have to follow along with every single thing that's happening. You can give input where you might have some expertise and somebody else is going to chime in. You're going to be in there. And then there's a ton of resources. I mentioned this to you, the holiday resources. I have it printed out. I have all my notes on it from last year, this year. And just going in and using those, that's how I run part of my business. And that's what we do. And I want to be a part of that, not only because I know it's like, here's my go-to resources, but in case something else happens, I like knowing that it's there. I think in this part of my business, I'm doing what feels right. And I'm doing what I need to do to be able to run my business efficiently and what's working with me right now. There probably will be a time where I'm stepping in and I want to come to all the lives and all of this and all of that. And I was trying to do all of those things all at the same time, but that's not the season that I'm in right now. I know when I need that, I'm going to step back in and start participating. And I'm going to want the connection with other founders and other business owners. And that's going to be really important when I'm doing something new with my business and I'm going to need that so I can step in. If I'm really busy and I'm doing something else in another area of my business that doesn't make sense for me to do that, I'm not going to. But I could be flexible with that in the lounge. And everyone's always so happy and friendly and good. And the resources are always there. It's an important thing to be able to recognize when you need what. Yes, we all need to take in information and we need to learn and we need to connect and we need to try new things. We don't necessarily need to do those things all of the time. And there are times when I'm like, I already know what I need to do. It's time for me to go do it because all of this learning is just keeping me from taking action. I need to take the action now. And maybe that's some of your military background that kind of helps you with that. But I just think you're really great at navigating what is right for you and your business today. So kudos to you, lady. Thank you for all your support these past few years. It's just been tremendous for my business. I absolutely adore you. I love the podcast. Oh, I love that. And it's just been really cool to watch you. And thank you for being so open about coming here and sharing. And I just think it's so, so important. And when I kind of put the word out to have people come on the podcast, I really didn't expect so many people to say yes. I was kind of blown away and it was super exciting. I was like, this is the perfect series to release in November where people can just get inspired and feel excited without feeling like, oh, I need to go implement this. Like, no, you don't. You just need to keep doing what you're doing. Get some inspiring stories. Get yourself geared up. Kick off 2024. So thanks for agreeing to do it. And can you let everyone know where they can find you? Where can they go buy their own? Make your own polish kit. It also makes a really great gift as well. Tell us all the things. 
So you can find us at tailormadepolish.com. We are also on Amazon. So that's a new development. We haven't quite announced that yet. Heard it here first. You can follow us on Instagram at tailormadepolish also. And then I think we have a code for everyone too, for all of your listeners. I can't remember what it is. Yes, I have it listed here. And guys, I will have all the links in the show notes as well. It is Taylor with a Y, by the way, because it's a last name, not the word Taylor. And so you can get 25% off site-wide at tailormadepolish.com with code BADASS. So I will put all the links there in the show notes. It's a super fun project to do too if you have little kids. You had a lot of little girl parties. People used to do them in person. That's this fun, just like mommy-daughter bonding activity as well. And definitely go check them out. Thank you guys for hanging out with us on the podcast today. I really appreciate that you're here with me every week and have a kick-ass rest of your holiday. See you on the flip side, friends. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.